Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part two of my conversation with Alexandra Delaferra, Associate Professor for English and Co-Director for the Teaching Excellence Project Grant at Passaic Community College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. It's also about like self perception. So, like in 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 the case of the the few students that I was just referring to, the way they perceive themselves, as I could see by the uh, picture choices they made, is a very like hypersexualized being, and mm. you know that's what they are always trying to convey on social media. I think, um, but what I wanted them and need them to see, especially as females, is that there's there's this other side to them. You know that they could cultivate this uh, other person that that's in them. So for instance, I say, you know, I think maybe it would be best if you take a look at your graduation photos. You know, if you select a graduation photo, what does that do that shows a sense of accomplishment? You know, and I don't say this, but that accomplishment had nothing to do with their sexualization. You know, it was about their their brains. They studied, they graduated, they accomplished, you know, and I need them to foster that side to them. So, you yeah. know, and so these these little moments happen just by, you know, the the choice of photos and reconsidering a photo that they're going to put on. It's also about how they're going to internalize the self-perception too. And and I need some times for that change to happen because now they're embarking on a whole other chapter of their lives. They're at college and, um, you know, they're, they're not in high school anymore. And, and, and that's got to start evolving. So, yeah. you know, th- that's where the, these little moments happen with an e-portfolio that you just kind of don't plan on. But then when it happens, you realize the benefits. Right. Well, I bet you that um, a lot of what you are saying and what you do with the students um, may um, ultimately contribute greatly to the way that they developmentally how that's going to progress in the next you know few years i can only you hope know, as we as we all know um you know human brains really i mean up until they are around 26 is still being you know it's just shaped and molded and developed and and i do really think that you know that covers a lot of the folks that are in college if they're coming straight out of high school yep. And even a lot that are, you know, having left high school for a while and then come back. Yep. And during those years, you know, having this sort of social media aspect of how you are presenting yourself, et cetera, um, is, I, I mean, it, it's going to do things that we don't know what's going to, you know, what the consequences are yet. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the having someone like you in their corner allows them to at least get a, you know, sort of rein back in the, whoa, hold on a minute, where have I been? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and allowing them to sort of see, see themselves in, in, in a way that, that is, that is, um, that is not, you know, so, you know, that has a little bit more substance and yeah. lot, not so much. Yep. Yep. It, which to me speaks to something really interesting. I was going to say social media is one thing, but the social pedagogy that you are, sort of talking about for, for them to be able to see each other's work. Um, I know that there are pe- some people get straight into the, whoa, that's dangerous. But then there are other people that are going, no, that's so engaging. 
And I still remember, so this is, so for me, it's been so natural because I, I, I went to an art and design school. I taught at one. Um, our students, like there's no, I've never met someone in any of our students, my classmates or my students who would say, we are going to be in this design class or an art class, drawing class, a painting class. I will do all this, but no one can see it. Mm. Yeah. They don't always they mean, want it. We're going to do the work. You just naturally want the yes. world to see it. Yes. Um, the, even the shyest person, even the person who's most private, when they create something, they may not want to talk to you about it, but they want you to That's see it. That's a great it, point. You know? It's a really interesting sort of mode of thinking and learning. So for me, that was ne- had never ever even been like a, a, a consideration. Mm-hmm. Are they gonna? Be, but but interestingly though, if you if we go back to you know like a more traditional like you know K twelve education in the United States and even you know in the in the colleges in the and for so much such a big part of it, your work has a you know, a lifespan of about a week because you you, know, you do the work within the week. Someone reads it or look at it, and then that's and you just it. move on. And then Next the one. audience of one one yeah. person. You that's know, a good point. You, you put your work, and to me, I always thought, man, if out my if my students, if that's what we make them do, which is you're allowed to do this drawing, but only I get to see it. And in a week's time, I won't even remember it anymore, and neither will you. Like, what kind of message are we? Like, um, why would they put any effort into it? I tell right? you. So, to that point, one of the greatest um, unexpected benefits was how it became a motivator for my students mm-hmm. because yeah. because I allow them to write for a public audience, to share their photos for a public audience. So they know it's very public, you know, it's for all the members of their class. And I always have at least 22, 23 students in my class. Uh, Most of them do not drop. So they stay the whole time. So we're a nice bunch. And because it is so public, they get to see each other's, they get to see what they do. And, And it's not just like the aesthetics of it, but it's also the quality of their reflections because with every essay that they post, I also have them um, coincide that assignment with a reflection of that whole writing process. And that's, you know, in part what an e-portfolio is. It's a reflective tool. They could go back, they could see their growth and chart that growth and, and really visualize it. But it's not just then for themselves. Then students get to read each other's reflections and then they see the kinds of observances that their classmates are making about writing, about their process, even their struggles. You know, there's tons of challenges when they're going through uh, an essay and the writing process. And it's even good to share those and they get to see that. And then they become motivated to go back to their e-portfolio and their reflection and improve upon it. Because, you know, they know that it's a very fluid product. It's not static to like the point that you were making earlier. You do that one assignment and then you move on. You hand it in, you move move on. There's a fluidity to this. And so they know that it's about change. And I need them to see it's about change because they're ever changing. You know, their minds are changing, their desires, their goals are changing. And so I say this e-portfolio changes with you and it grows with you, you know, and so it becomes a real motivator. So that's why the public audience part of 
piece of this is, I think, really, really important. They care. Yeah, they really care cool. more about each other's opinions than mine. Yeah. I'm just about a grade. That's all they care about is the grade for me. You know, right, it's really about right. the grade. But they really right. care about each other and and how they're yeah. viewed by their peers. You know, so that's where the power is. Yeah, and there is a lot to to learn from that too, right? I mean, when they go out to do whatever that they end up doing, you know, they are their work is going to have an audience. Yep. Most likely, and and being able to have that experience is so different from. I mean, look, I I I see a lot of high school students. You know, twelve years of school, none of their stuff ever gets seen by anyone but the the teacher, and then it just kind of goes into the bottom of a of a drawer, so to speak. You know, whatever the digital equivalent. Wait, of do you, that you, is you, you, you know what older. the digital equivalent? Yeah. It's even worse yeah. than what you said because now, and I know I have two boys in high school. Now it's Google Classroom. Everything is in Google Classroom, and what we've learned is that because there's no paper anymore, and everything is in Google Classroom. Once the year is over, anything they submitted disappears, so they don't even have yeah. that work in the bottom of their desk drawer anymore. It truly does just disappear. It really disappears. It disappears. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it really just sort of, you know, devalues the work, doesn't it? It it makes it so that, you know, I just I just feel like that yeah, you don't you don't you don't you don't feel like you need to invest much in it because it was gonna it's pretty ephemeral. It's gonna be gone it's gonna anyway. Be gone. And where's the ownership? <laughs> You know, yeah, they, they yeah. no longer even own it uh, unless they have the wherewithal to go and print things out to keep right. a tangible copy. Then there's the ownership part is gone, too. And that's pretty yeah. sad to me. Yeah, it is. Now, um, there's one part about sort of the social pedagogy piece that I I really like as well. And you sort of alluded to it, which is they care about each other's feedback and, you know, how they how they how they look, you know, in, in each other's eyes. Did you know that I remember reading about some marketing studies by, I think it was by like either Coca-Cola or Pepsi as companies mm-hmm. that were like launching drinks, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they, they said that apparently the first and most important criteria of the drink, you'd think it's the taste, but it's not. Is it the aftertaste? Is it the aftertaste part? No. It's how it looks if you are drinking it to other people. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised about that. Isn't that interesting? So when they were launching a drink, and this is many years ago, I don't know whether it's still the truth, the truth, but but they would they would say no. Like this is why when they launch things like Mountain Dew, it doesn't just come with is a bunch of caffeine and a yeah, thing that doesn't taste very good, you know. It's like no, it's launched with BMX, with skateboarding, uh-huh, with the this uh-huh. and that. You know, um, it's a it's an identity actually. Yeah, right. I think that's so interesting, right? So I think a lot of people underestimate the amount of motivation people have in a, from a social environment. But I also do find that from a more substance, substantive, you know, side of learning. Um, just the sort of pedagogically in the classroom, at least for me, when I would have my students, um, you know, do their work and they share with each other, one of the things that I find so amazing is that they, um, 
they sort of get to see, in your case, 22 other people's approach and 22 other people's experiences. And I find it as uh, someone who is also a student of that sort of, you know, environment Mm -hmm. that, you know, you pour your heart and soul and into the way that you've decided to, you know, do this project or to write about this thing or to produce or or create this thing. Um, and you make lots of decisions, you, you, you make a lot of choices and you made a lot of assumptions and you do this thing. But afterwards, you see all these other people, how they did it, mm-hmm. clearly made different choices than you did, mm-hmm. even including choices that you thought were never going to work. Like that's Good terrible. Point. Or, yep. or, or sometimes you're like, I just don't have time for that. You know, like I'm, I have to focus on this is what I'm doing, you know? But to me, the idea of having gone through solving something, having that deep experience once, and then seeing like 12 other or 20 others or 30 other people doing it slightly differently, it's so it's such an amazing environment because it first of all, now you have all these other perspectives. So I think I, to me, being able to look at things from different perspective is a core value or should be one of those, you know, like um, Janet outcome. Yeah, (laughs) right. I wish. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just being able to see things from different perspective. Now, if we have more of that, our world will probably look more peaceful, Mm -hmm. you know, today. Um, Anyway. You're asking um, for a lot, Jeff. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is this, you know different different perspective, but you know something like much more nuanced is that if you are really into something, you spend a lot of time thinking about something, and then you see an other person doing it in a different way, like another five more times, mm-hmm. five different ways, you actually learn those things much much faster because you 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 you've already known the ins and outs of you know this problem. That's interesting. And so you see how I never thought it. about that. It's so different than if you just seen it without your own experience doing I've never thought something. about that, Jeff. And so I see that being a super learning environment because you are reading or you know seeing how you know twenty people do it, twenty different approach. It first of all immediately makes you feel a lot less cocky about the, the, the decisions that you made, right? You're like, well, it can work 20 other yes, ways. Yes, yes, it is humbling. Right? I, I agree. It's humbling. It makes you realize that. It also makes you fe- suddenly feel more, you know, sort of, you you feel like that you, even though you didn't go through the same level of rigor in those other 20 solutions, you actually learn them a lot more than if you just read about it without you having done I love that. Um, so to me, that's you know sort of a um, sort of the one of the deeper end of where social pedagogy gives us. You know, I love that. Um, what a what a, I think it's, I think it really is wonderful. Um, so I want to hey, I want to talk a little bit about the what it's like to be teaching at a place where it's primarily Hispanic serving and plus, you know, others that are, you know, that like you were saying, maybe growing populations of, of other, other, other folks as well. Um, and I want to talk about it, you know, also in the context of sort of more meta sort of level 
where higher education is, where community colleges and what are the places that you see are like, you know, students are succeeding and need, or needing help? Mm-hmm. Well, um, w- one of our commitments right now, and I think this is in part coming from the whole racial reckoning that we've experienced the last few years is really taking a microscope to our students in a way that we kind of, I think, took for granted before and really taking a look at the diversity, the equity, the inclusion, and are we really doing our part in the way that that we should and should have been? So I think that... Um, what we're working on, we do realize that um, we we need improvement in this area. I mean, starting with the fact, uh, I'll start with this, that if you take a look at our faculty, most of our faculty are white. If you take a look at the promotional committees, most of those committee members are white. If you take a look at our administrators, most of those administrators are white. You know, and so our students don't even have role models within the institution. Let's start with that, you know, so uh, taking a look at where we could be more successful is taking a look at, too, um, who are we hiring, you know, and, and what changes can we make even there? Who are we putting in front of our students in the classroom? Who's motivating our students? Um, so, you know, let, let's start with that. Um, but I guess to, to take it back to the e-portfolio is, um, I guess, one of the benefits. And, you know, Jeff, I'm just coming from. Two weeks ago, I attended the teaching professors conference and the whole focus was on high impact practices in the teaching classroom. And the e-portfolio, I have to say, time and time again, became that number one high impact practice that colleges across the nation. I was with people from um, Utah, from New Mexico, from Minnesota. I was with everybody. And um, we're all seeing the value of needing to see who our students are and what their what their needs are. Um, Because, you know, it's just not enough to say we are an institution that is, you know, with our mission statement that we're, um, you know, here to help, um, you know, diversity. Well, really, what, what are we doing about that? And in fact, we changed our mission statement just this year to include, um, we're looking at our students in a more holistic way. So holistic is the word that we've used in our mission statement. And so I, I come back to one of my students, for instance. Now, I could not have known this about my student, but through his e-portfolio, when you take a look at uh, the language choices that he made, he talked about how dance has become a very important thing in his life uh, because it's helped him get through some pretty bad days. Um, So that was a a phrase that that I, you know, clung to. Dance and being part of this dance troupe also has made uh, his struggle more bearable. You know, so he's dropping all these clues in the text of his mm. portfolio, and I'm really starting to see him in a different way. And I'm starting to really recognize that if we're talking about equity, am I providing all that he really needs to be successful in my class? Because clearly he's got some more struggles outside the classroom that maybe some of my other students do. I may not know what exactly those struggles are, but, you know, when I took a look at what he shared, you know, and I read between the lines, that's when I realized that I I needed to take a different approach to this student. And, 
in fact, after reading that in his about me page, um, I sent an email to him right away. And I said, you know, so-and-so I, I, um, have noticed that you haven't been coming consistently to all my classes, you know, what's going on, you know, what can I do to help, you know? And so that's not something I ever would have known. I have to admit that perhaps if I saw a student not come to every one of my classes, um, I would automatically think, oh, you know what, this is, they're just not ready for college. You know, this, they're not ready. They're not ready to be here. They're immature. They're blowing off uh, another class session. They don't really want this without really sitting and thinking about, well, what's his support system like outside of my classroom? He probably doesn't even have a support system. So where's the equity in that, you know? And so that is where we're starting to see as, as, as an institution that we can't just say we're committed to DEI initiatives. We have to really roll up our sleeves and see what we need to see um, and really recognize the big changes that we have to make. Does this make sense at all? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you meet, you you want to be able to meet them where they are because, you know, they don't, you, you know, you can't just say, I put a, uh, this this big pole in the ground and everyone has to come here and revolve around us. Right. And and that's in fact what what's not equitable because there are people that are far away from that pole yeah. and they can't get there. Yeah. Um, and if your, your stance is to say this way or the highway, then they go the highway because they can't be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's, um, that's an amazing I think that's a, an amazing um, observation to how just knowing more about the students or have, providing an opportunity for them to be seen allows you to do your job a lot better. A lot better. And allow you to get a, get a better understanding of also, I think in this case, you know, the, the quest to to understand what equity, what equity actually means. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that we all struggle with that, mm-hmm. don't we? Yeah, I think and so. We all struggle with that because we all have biases and we all have blind spots. Um, you know, like until, until you see something, you don't learn it sometimes, right. right? And I'm sure as you see more of other people you know, students share their own either stories or struggles or hurdles that they have to jump through to come to class. It makes you, it will make you a different kind of educator. Because yep. I think we, but without doing that, you can't design. No, it, right? no, you can't. And, you know, and we come, I think a lot of us do come with the best of intentions. It's just, yeah. we, mm-hmm. we just don't nail it right sometimes, you know, we just don't. And, yeah. um, and that's, I think, where we need some improvements. And so you need that self-reflection first and foremost, and you need that openness of mind and, and of heart too, because quite frankly, sometimes I wonder some of some people that are teaching, I don't know, (laughs) they've been hardened. (laughs) The years have not been uh, too good to them, I guess. I don't know. So yeah. And and an openness of mind and heart. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that, you know, People in general do have, I mean, people talk about like technology adoption curve, you know, sort of like the early adopters and then, you know, sort of in the, 
early part of the adoption curve and the, at the end of the adoption curve, there are folks who are today still will insist to not even send an email, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and there might be some people that will just never, and that's what it is. And then there are people that are in different part of the curve. And I think that, and I'm not thinking so much about the technology, but I'm thinking about the sort of philosophy and pedagogy that you were, you know, you're speaking about, um, you know, people who are sort of hardened mm-hmm. or have a strong opinions about, hey, sort of either the good old days or the, this is how I was, my experience was. Yep. It was tough, but you also have to go through it in order to succeed. Um you know, is is the kind of thing that um, they are going to, you know, maybe they're just in different part of the adoption curve, right? At some point, maybe they'll turn around. And at some point, you know, technology does this, right? Cars, for example, got adopted over time where cars also got nicer and easier to drive and easier to maintain. Um, and so more people are able to do it, mm-hmm. you know? Um and to the point now that, you know, most most people don't think that much about that being even a technology. Yeah, you just it's true. It. And um, so maybe that's that's the kind of thing that we are we're in the midst of, right? Trying to figure all of this out. Um, so you, you share, a, uh, I think that you shared a lot of incredible insights here. And you know what I like so much about is that in each case is not, a theory it's something that you are genuinely just thinking back to i know that you didn't share the names of the students and i don't want you to but i know that in your mind you know exactly what student and what scenario it is that make you think one way or the other i can still see their pages in my head i can still see those pages right so you're learning also in a very authentic way yes that's the word Um, that i keep reading lately when i uh you know, Chronicle of Higher Ed, and I'm reading journals constantly as part of this grant, you know, just seeing how we can make the improvements we need to at the college. So I'm doing quite a bit of reading and authentic assessment comes up all the time now, all the time. This is not something I was ever reading 10 years ago. So it's, there's definitely a shift, a shift for the better. Yep. Yeah, I, I I think so too. Well, um, any 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 final notes, uh, last words, uh, last insights that you'd like to share, Alex? Well, I would just say um, you can't uh, let the technology of something like an e-portfolio scare you, because I do consider myself a digital immigrant, and um, I'm not the savviest uh, of people, but. Um, there's just this intuitive nature of the e-portfolio that um, works so well. And so I guess that's one of the first things I want to say. But I guess the larger issue is, I I think this speaks to not just my risk-taking, but my college's risk-taking. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. we've got to be better teachers for our students. We we owe them that much. And if that's going to happen, we have to step outside of our comfort zones and uh, we have to take risks. And so I felt like embarking on the e-portfolio through education was a a definite risk. And because it could have bombed and I would have not looked so great uh, in front of administration um, and colleagues, but I took the risk and it's, it's working beautifully. So I would just encourage everybody to just keep that in mind. You know, it's, it's always worth it. 
Well, um, thank you so much again for spending this time with us. I enjoyed I know it. that uh, you had said before that Pablo spent an hour with you and he you now did. had spent an hour with me. You got um, it. So um, I guess we're all paying it forward. Yep. Some, to some I like that. I like the way you said that. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, I hope that we get to um, catch up again soon. I know that I'll catch up with you, you know, um, you know, otherwise anyway through our work. But but I hope that you get to come back to the Education Scholars Conversations and share more insights as you as you kind I of sure move will. forward to year two and three and four. Uh, I can't wait. Um, and uh, but for now. Thank you uh, sincerely, and I hope you feel better soon. Thank you, uh, and thanks for the opportunity for this. You know, I'm really happy to share our experiences because, like you said, I, I am passionate about it, and um, so it's been a great opportunity. Thanks for asking me, Jeff. All right. Well, take care, Alex. Take care. This concludes our conversation. To hear our next episode, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. The Digication Scholars Conversations series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.